Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The story is told of a man who, listen, listen close, the story is told of a man who fell off a cliff and he managed to grab a tree limb on the way down. He held on for dear life. And then he yelled, is anyone up there? And then he heard a thundering voice say, I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe me? Well, the man said, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe with all my heart, but I can't hang on much longer. Well, that's all right. If you really believe you have nothing to worry about, I will save you. Just let go of the branch. Well, there was a moment of silence. And then the man looked up and said, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) You see, if we were all honest today, many of us, I have had times just like this man. Times of doubt, times of fear, times of Is there anyone else up there? God, I'm going through suffering. I've got pain. I've got tribulation and trial and persecution and bills to pay and situations. And God, is there anyone up there? God, where are you? We have all had times of doubt. Maybe some of us are here today and we've doubted God's promises. Maybe you're here today and you've doubted your salvation. Am I really saved? I've had times like that. Am am, am I really, I mean, this whole salvation thing, I mean, let's just face it. I mean, it would be nice when people get saved if they would like turn a different color or something. (laughs) You know, maybe when you get saved, you you turn red. So for the blood, you know, I'm trying to be relevant here, all right? So when you get saved, you're like, turn the color or something. Wouldn't that be nice? And then we can really know who's really saved. Wouldn't that be nice? And you get to these places sometimes in your life, sometimes in your walk where you go, and you know, you think, am I really saved? Maybe you're here and you have doubts about the future of your marriage. Doubts about, is there a God? Doubts as to whether God really hears your prayers and does he really care. Some doubt the goodness of God, that God will really come through for you. We know the Bible says God will come through for us, that God will bless us if we seek him, that God will honor us if we will pray and if we will talk to him. And so some of us wonder, God, is that real? Is that true? Will you really come through for me? There are times in the life of a believer that, that we have doubts and we have fears and, 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 and doubting God. That happens and it's natural. Let me say to you today, if you're here and you've ever had those times of doubt, times of fear, times of discouragement, times of wondering, then you're in good company. 
because the Bible is full. Replete, might I add, of people who have doubted God or doubted the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. If you're taking notes, look that up in your own time. Jeremiah said, Lord, why is it that the wicked seem to be better off than the people of God or the people of faith? Lord, Jeremiah said, I don't get it. Job, I mean, Jeremiah is a great prophet of the Lord, and Job is a great man of God. And in chapter 7, verse 20, Job said, Lord, why have you made my life so miserable? What have I done to deserve this? Have I been a burden to you? There are many times in the Christian life that we second-guess ourselves and we second-guess God. Well, here in Matthew chapter 11, we come to John the Baptist who, guess what? Although he is a wonderful, great, godly man, it was Jesus himself that said, There is no one greater than John. Not Abraham, not Moses, not Job, not Jeremiah, not any of the prophets, not even Paul the Apostle is greater than John. And we see John the B had doubts. Now look at it with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. And it came to pass in verse 1. I love that verse. Underline it, circle it, remember it, highlight it. You got problems? You got trials, situations, storms in your life? It came to pass. It will pass. Amen, saints. That's one thing about the faithfulness of God. Let me stop right there. That's one thing about the, Sorry. You know, one thing about the faithfulness of God. I was thinking about this the other day or yesterday. The faithfulness of God. Our trial situations, burdens, struggles. You know, they've they've come to pass. And and how many times, you know, God is faithful. God is faithful. He has never seen the righteous, nor never seen the righteous uh, begging bread. That's what I said. They've never seen the righteous forsaken. What is that verse? Or his seed begging bread. You know what I'm trying to say. And, 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 and God is faithful. The provision of God. He's so wonderful and so faithful. How do you know that? Well, let me tell you something. Why don't you do, do some homework? Today, tonight, go home and look at your checkbook. Look at how many checks you were able to write last year. Some of us do banking online, you know. Then go and check out all the debits from your account and all the bills you paid and the money you wrote to Kroger and the money you wrote for Harris Teeter and, and Piggly Wiggly and wherever you shop. And, and you, see, you will see the faithfulness of God. As God has paid your bills, as God has fed you and took care of you all year long, he has never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And you can see the faithfulness of God. So whatever you're going through today, listen, don't doubt because it came to pass. It came to pass. How many of us started at January worrying about, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this year. Man, how's it going to happen? I don't know. There's more bills than there is money. There's more mouths to feed than there is money. You know, how many of us started the year like that? Many of us did. But now we can look back over the year. Here we are in 2004, and you're still here, and you haven't lost any weight. (laughs) Are you feeling me? (laughs) 
You see? So what does that tell us? It tells us that God is faithful. Amen, saints? So it came to pass, look at this, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach, note this, in, circle it, their cities. In their cities. And when John had heard while he was in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to him, are you, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And in verse 6, blessed is he. The word blessed means oh how happy. Here God, Jesus sends John his own beatitude. And blessed is he who does, who is not offended because of me. Stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us, you know that in chapter 9 of Matthew and chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus had just finished giving the disciples their marching orders. He sends them on a short missions trip, teaching and preaching and healing in the Galilee to the Jews. Remember, he said, don't go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but, but, or go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and don't go in the way of the Gentiles. So he sent them preaching and teaching and healing to the Jewish people. At the same time, according to chapter 11, Jesus departed from there and began to teach and to preach, to exclaim and proclaim the message of the kingdom. And notice where he did it. In their cities. In their cities? Yeah. He sent them to the other cities of the Jews and he went to their cities. Well, that's interesting for me to see, perhaps for you also. Jesus dispatched the 12 to the land of Israel. He went to their cities and and, and to the 12 cities that they came from. Why? Well, I think the answer is found simply in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. Look that up in your own time. But it says this, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. In other words, a prophet can go anywhere and be listened to and accepted except in his own city or around the people that he grew up around. Now, how true is that? You know, it's hard to lead your family to the Lord. Family folk don't want to get saved, at least not by you. They they, they don't want to hear it. I, I know people who have prayed for their family members, sought to lead them to the Lord, shared the gospel with them, and they don't receive Christ. Somebody else comes along, shares the gospel, just opens like one scripture or whatever, and for you know, oh yeah, I want to get saved. Now how does that happen? Because a prophet is not welcome in his own home. It is very difficult to lead your own family members to the Lord. Why? Because they know you. You see, they know when you are a little buck-toothed, pigtail, thick Coke bottle glasses, and you were growing up, and and they remember all the bad stuff y'all did together. You see, they know you. And you know, I'm from Philly. 
I've told you. And, uh, and uh, you know, from time to time, I've gone home with my family and take my wife and my kids to, you know, the old neighborhood. You know, you got to go to the old neighborhoods. And, and got to show, I had to show them every place I ever lived. And it doesn't matter if the building's been demolished and there's a rock at that place. It's just like, I lived right where that rock was. See that rock? That's where I live. Man, my building, my, my room was right there, right near that rock, you know. You got to show. So you bring your family to your, to your home and to your old, you know, city that you lived in and, and introduce them to friends. And, you know, you bring them to, you know, hey, Elvira, this is, you know, these friends and stuff. And, 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 and hey, Rodney, how you doing? Well, you know, what you doing with your life? Well, I'm a pastor now. They go, what? I go, yeah, why you look like that, man? All things are possible with God, you know? And then, you know, you're a pastor? How did you get to be a pastor? I'm like, I don't know. But I know if God can do it in me, he can do it in you. Or, you know, and, and so, and, and, you know, people, you get introduced to family and friends and so on and so forth, and, 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 and they start telling, you know, all the old stories. You know how that goes. Man, Rodney, man, do you remember when we did beep and beep and beep? And then I'm like, shut up. My family still thinks I'm holy. Shut up. You see, so you go to these places and a prophet's not welcome in their own home. It's like, it's like some years ago before I even came here. And I was uh, talking to a pastor, and, and uh, it was actually out in Southern California, and the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia, his name is Joe Foch, and uh, we were, it was about the time that God was showing me to move here to plant a Calvary Chapel, about the same time. So we're having breakfast at a pastor's conference, and uh, so some friends introduced us, and you, you probably know Joe, and, and some friends introduced us, and, and Rodney, Joe, Joe, Rodney, and, you know, Rodney's from Philly, and, uh, oh, really? Yeah. And he's planning to go to Calvary, plan a Calvary Chapel. The Lord does a work in North Carolina. That's what he's planning to do. And told Joe, and so Joe sits across the table from me, and he looks at me, and he says, hey, he says, why don't you consider coming to Philly and plan a Calvary Chapel? We're trying to do a ministry in the city, and, uh, you know, you're from Philly and know the city, and, you know, why don't you come and plan a Calvary Chapel in the, in the city? And uh, I was like, well, I don't know about that, you know? And then he said, well, I'll tell you what, we'll throw in some chairs and a sound system. And I'm like, oh, man, the deal's getting sweet here. I mean, you know, if you want to plan a church, you got to have chairs and a sound system, okay? So this is big, okay? This is, to a pastor's ears, this is like, oh, this is a moment, you know what I mean? It's a real moment, like chairs, sound system, you know? And I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll, let me just think about it and pray about it, and I'll let you know. So went back to my room, prayed about it that night, came back in the morning, and uh, he said, so what do you think? I said, well, you know, I probably better not do that. I mean, I'm really feeling like God's showing me to go to North Carolina and start this Calvary, and, and I probably better not do that. That probably wouldn't be a good thing. And, uh, and, um, and I remember saying to him, I said, you know, and the Bible says, a prophet is not welcome in his own home. See, for me, it may be difficult for me to meet, share the gospel in Philly with all my friends because, see, they know me. And sometimes because they know you like your family, if you're, if you've got family members and they're not receiving what you're saying and they're not giving their lives to Christ, well, you know, it's because they know you and it's really sometimes very difficult to get by that and difficult to get around it because they remember all the bad stuff you did and now it's kind of hard for them to see that you're a Christian now. You went from like sinner to saint and they're like, I can't see the connection. And so it, sometimes it can be difficult. And Jesus knows that. And so he says, he says, listen, he says, and, and, and think about this, Jesus' own family. 
Do you know that they did not believe that he was the Messiah? They didn't believe it. I mean, and it would be hard to believe. I mean, think about it. Your little brothers, you know, you're sitting having Rice Krispies at breakfast. And your little brother looks up between bites and says, hey, I'm the Messiah. Whatever, you know, talk to the hand. I ain't listening, you know. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's kind of loony, man. I mean, think, I mean, that's kind of crazy. You know, oh, I'm the savior of the world. Okay. And if you don't believe in me, I will make you toast. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll pop you in the eye too. I mean, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just feeling like, ah, oh, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm just thinking that they're like really normal people, brothers and sisters, and you know how they had that sibling rivalry thing going on, and, and they're just normal. And so even Jesus had a difficult time, you know, getting his own family to believe in him. And so Jesus went to the disciples' home. He went to their cities, knowing that they might not be received. Isn't it true? Sometimes those who love you, who know you best, receive you least. Isn't that true? It's very true. An amazing thing is that Jesus knows me the best and because he knows me inside and out, and yet he loves me the most. See, that's the Lord. Amen? You, you with me? See, he knows me the best, and he loves me the most. Sometimes we get to know people better, and we love them least. Isn't it true? And unfortunately, it happens in marriages all the time. You know, we get married, folk crack me up. Well, we come down the aisle, everything is beautiful, it's wonderful. I love them the most. Do you promise to love and honor and to cherish and to keep only two? So as long as you both shall live. I do. <laughs> I know I've married some of y'all, so I know, okay? <laughs> All right, give it a couple years. You promise to love, forget them. I ain't trying to hear it. You see, sometimes when you get to know people, you love them least. Jesus knows us best, and he loves us the most. He gets to know you. God knows your weaknesses and your weirdnesses. God knows your folly and your foolishness. And yet he still loves you. He knows you inside and out. Hebrews 4.13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You see, the one who knows you the most loves you the most. And so Jesus goes about preaching and teaching in their cities. Meanwhile, John is sitting in prison. Did you get that in verse 2? John is sitting in prison because Herod had divorced his wife and taken his brother's wife and married her. And John the Baptist boldly and pointedly indicted Herod for that sin. And so Herod put him in prison. But John probably wasn't worried about that. Because, see, John knew the Bible, and John knew the prophecies. And John knew the prophecy that says that when the Messiah comes, he's going to open the prison doors and set the captives free. And so John is thinking, look, I'm in prison right now, but hey, no big deal, because the Lord's going to come and spring me out of this joint. And see, John knows that. He believes that. 
But the days go on, and the weeks, and the months went by, and John sat in this dirty, damp dungeon, and the devil was sure to sow seeds of doubt and discord and discouragement. And, and, and John starts asking and starts questioning and doubting, and he says, Lord, are you really who you say you are? Have I made a mistake? Have I wasted my life? Should I be looking for someone else? John is in the dungeon of doubt, my sermon topic. In the dungeon of doubt. Raise your hand if you read the book Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress. Well, good, that's a few of you. Uh, Many more who have not, it's a classic. I would encourage you, pick up a copy. Matter of fact, I've got a our order in a couple cases. Uh, Pick up a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. It is a great book. I read it many years ago. And it's an allegory. The story is written as an allegory. And it's written by John Bunyan, who was in prison in Bedford, England, for preaching the gospel without a license. And the story portrays a pilgrim, his name is Christian, who was fleeing the city of destruction. He was on his way to the celestial city. He had been pointed through the gate by an evangelist and came to the cross. And while he was pilgriming, he met Hopeful. And Hopeful and Christian are journeying down the road and they stray off the path and they come upon an old field and they lay down and they go to sleep. And this field was near a castle called Doubting Castle. And the owner of the castle was named Giant Despair. And Giant Despair went out for his morning walk and found Hopeful and Christian sleeping on his property. And he woke him up and he said, what are you doing on my property? And they said, oh, sir, we were on our way to the celestial kingdom. We wandered off the path. We got tired. We fell asleep. And he took them and he said, now you're mine. And he grabbed them and he threw them in Doubting Castle. And while discouraged, sitting in Doubting Castle, Hopeful reminded Christian of the key that was in his pocket. And the key is the promises of God. And they took the key out and they put it in the door and they opened the door and fled out of Doubting Castle. And Giant Despair was in hot pursuit after them. And he fell on his face and they escaped. And you see... John the Baptist is in Doubting Castle right now, in the grips of giant despair, and locked in the dungeon of doubt. And two of his disciples, they come to make a prison visit, and they tell John, they they tell John all that Jesus began to do as he was healing the sick and, and, and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead. And they begin to tell John all that Jesus began to do. And John tells them to go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we keep looking? John is discouraged and doubting. Now listen, this is the same John who pointed to the Messiah and said, Behold, look, look, fellas, everybody, look, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The same John who saw the, the heavens open and the, the Spirit of God descended on Jesus in baptism. And John heard the voice of the Father say, This is my beloved Son. Everyone listen to him. This is the same John who said, I must decrease and he must increase. This is the same John who said, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He's mightier than I am. This is John who Jesus says there's no one greater than him. The same John is at the place now of fear and doubt 
despair, and disappointment. Can I share something with you today? I think it's natural. It most certainly is natural to have doubts from time to time, especially when you're going through difficult times. Many great men and women of God went through seasons of doubt. Abraham and Elijah, David, Moses, Peter, doubting Thomas. Remember, Mary and Martha, Jesus shows up and they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't be dead. Times of doubt, times of discouragement. Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to the father of a demon-possessed boy, he says, if you can believe all these things are possible to those who believe, and in helpless confusion, doubt and despair, he said, Lord, I believe. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.